0: Hello and welcome to Goblet of Wine, a drunken Harry Potter podcast. I'm Hannah and I'm the only host doing this intro because, you guessed it, we forgot to record an intro while we were recording. What's new? In today's episode, we are reading chapter 25 of Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. So grab a glass of your favourite alcoholic beverage and join us on this drunken, reminiscent journey.
1: hello hi i am loving the 2020 lockdown vibes apart from we've you know
0: upgraded we've now got a light and some extra equipment
1: i mean but yeah you're you're saying that i've got a grow light that i use for my plants
0: (laughs) yeah we're we're we're, we're throwing it back to 2020 vibes Um, i actually never listened not that i listened to any of our episodes but i've never re-listened to a single covid one
1: I, what I want to do is re listen to the one slightly before COVID because we've had people message us about it before. And I've also done the same because Her Dark Materials did exactly the same thing. There are episodes of us going, you know, in a few years, we might be like, oh, ha, this COVID thing was a bunch of nothing. And it's like, oh, God. Oh, but we God. We didn't know. We'd had so. swine flu and bird flu and all of this before. Yeah. We, we didn't know, but it does no. make for quite like a, um,
0: a time capsule on the content that's
1: what I was trying to say yeah yeah Um, yeah it really dates it and I hope that people get to that point because sometimes we have people being like, and the thing is we did call out JK Rowling in our first episode but not as much as we would now because we still didn't fully know that she You a did. Terf. I
0: said I love JK Rowling and I've never gone in and edited it out because as I've said many times, I don't believe in censoring your past words because you should be allowed to change your opinions so that just yes. sits in there. I believe I've added a disclaimer to the description. Yeah, <laughs>
1: but it's like Okay, it rarely happens but occasionally we like will get a message about it and it's just like do you not realize how <laughs> old it is? is? like the past
0: on spotify it says the date. it's like oh my yeah. god
1: <laughs> and like just contextual contextually surely you can work out that like a podcast with a hundred episodes has not been produced in the last few months but anyway no, we did it all in the in 2023 <laughs> I- Yeah, but um No.
0: Um welcome to twenty twenty vibes. We are apart for the first time in a while just because of various time commitments and living in different places.
1: Which is ending soon. Yay! I now feel comfortable enough. I'm moving back to London. Yay Finally, after like six months of my parents very kindly putting up with me. I've kind of bought a flat and I'm moving back and I'm Mm -hmm. only gonna be a thirty minute bus ride from Hannah. She's a stalker. The closest we've ever actually lived, which yep. is wild because that's not actually that close.
0: Do you know what else how else I'll be able to get to you? On my new bike, I'll be able yes. to get there in 25 minutes.
1: You're like, shut up about you buying a flat. I bought a bike.
0: I bought a second hand 40 pound bike, and that is clearly a bigger life purchase.
1: No, you're you're totally right. But um <laughs> Yeah, so I'm moving back to London, which I'm very excited about. We're gonna have like kind of a studio for the podcast which is insane um
0: i think people are going to be so thrown by that because it's only in season seven it's like (laughs) so you guys did six seasons in someone's back room and then season seven went yeah it's studio time baby (laughs)
1: Well, you're now not allowed to change your mind about doing another podcast after this because if I, like, I mean, to be fair, if the podcast invests, it's not going to be my money. But, like, if I kit out and, like, install shit into the walls and ceilings for a studio and then you go, you know what? I'm yeah, done. no, I don't want to do it. <laughs> I'd like, bothered. fuck you. Actually, to be fair, I would just start one with someone else. I'd start one with Neil just to make you feel bad. Oh, that's horrible. Ha ha ha. So that's exciting life news stuff that's happening. How are you?
0: I'm fine. I I feel like this podcast, every single one of our listeners, is absolutely sick to death of hearing. I'm busy, so I'm not going to say it because I know they. I don't think they want to know that. I don't think they care. Um,
1: but you're going I, to Wales. I
0: am going to Wales. And the Jonas at the brothers are
1: trying to ruin your holiday. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm
0: going to give absolutely no context to that. One day I'll explain the joke, but the Jonas brothers are trying to ruin my first day of annual leave in five months. So I'm very upset about it. <laughs> and this
1: isn't even a bit, is the thing. Whatever no, you- this is not a bit. I
0: will, I promise on Twitter, I will explain this when I am allowed to. I might not be, it might still fall through yeah. and I can never explain the bit. But the Jonas brothers are trying to ruin my first day of annual leave this year i'm going to wales uh, for four days it's not even a long holiday but i am very excited there's a hot tub there's an outdoor patio and it's looking like it's going to be 20 degrees so
1: yeah if there's any background noise i do apologize todd is trying to break into his automatic feeder of Um, course
0: he he did that when i stayed at yours and when i pulled him off it and explained to him don't do that he attacked me so viciously the cuts are still healing
1: I'm gonna say that was on you. To be fair, do not come between a man and his food. Oh, because everyone just saw Missy on an episode, so now they can see. Hello, Toddy. Toddy. Hello,
0: hello, Toddy. Say hello. Do you recognise me through the screen?
1: He's wagging his tail, so I think that's a yes. He's like, that's the bitch that tried to interrupt my food.
0: Yeah, and who also, how dare she lie on a bed, which was clearly just a toy for me to attack her oh, from yes. underneath.
1: Like Hannah, a demon. Hannah came to stay a few weekends ago and she was on um, pull-out bed in the background and it's got like a gap where it doesn't perfectly line up the bit that pulls out to turn it from a sofa into a bed and Todd kept crawling underneath and using it to like claw up at her. Yeah,
0: it was, um, it was vicious.
1: He's lovely.
0: Can we talk about the alcohol because I want to start drinking it? Yes. Do I have to say... I'll say the line anyway. Charlie, what are we drinking today?
1: We are drinking wine on Goblin of (laughs) Wine.
0: Wine. So yeah, the lovely people over at Wine 52 for some reason agreed to work with us again. Even though that last ad was chaos. (laughs) In their words. In their (laughs) words. In
1: their words. We love. They're so great over there. Um,
0: Absolutely love them. They just get us and it's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. So this time, which feels very on brand, they sent us Bulgarian wine.
1: Uh, literally perfect.
0: Literally perfect. Victor Crumb High.
1: And also the one I'm drinking has the fanciest name in the world. This is Do so you know beside the point, but like I've not tried it yet. So, But it's called The Divine Prince of the Thracians. How fancy is that?
0: <laughs> well, mine is called, I got us matching ones, the Thracian Bard. Ooh. I know, I know. I love that. Um, So we've gone for one red, one white this time to try a little mixture. Charlie, do you want to try yours? Yeah. I'll try it at the same time so it's not awkward.
1: Thank you. Oh, you've got a proper wine glass.
0: A little goblet, if you will.
1: See, I really dislike doing this because it's showing me that actually not buying dirt cheap wine that's on offer is good
0: I know I know and the thing is like a lot of things in life once your expectations are raised you've got to stick with it but what a great segue because Wine 52 make it so easy to stick with nicer (laughs) wine so as we have mentioned before and will continue to mention Wine 52 is a wine subscription service so you can get a box of Three or six wines delivered every month to your door and they are specially hand chosen very nice wines from a particular reason so this month that they sent us (laughs) region region, (laughs) region not reason i'm sure they have a reason for picking them too
1: this month was bulgaria that's such a beautiful little flyer
0: I know, I know. And as well as the wines, you also get... Now, I'm the only one holding these because Charlie didn't take hers with her, which is a good thing because of what happened last time. You get those two snacks. I
1: am so sad that I don't get to munch away at the corns this episode. I'm trying to think if I have anything comparably noisy and distracting I could eat. I, I might have some pistachios somewhere. I could just be cracking open some nuts.
0: <laughs> I absolutely beg that you do not. So if you head to www.wine52.com slash goblet, the lovely people over at Wine 52 are going to give you a free case of wine. So a free case of three wines delivered straight to your door you'll be then part of the subscription service which you can pause or cancel at any time so if you're going away for a bit if you don't need it for a bit or you can up your box to six let's say if you're having something like a dinner party you can choose a mixed case a red only case a white case and you get that first box for free you just pay for postage if you use our special code
1: it's genuinely such a good deal. And one of the things... Okay, Hannah's going to laugh at me for this. One of the things that I'm most excited about for my move is like doing things that make me feel like a real adult. Um, she keeps
0: saying this to me. She's like, this is like a real adult. I'm like, what is a real adult?
1: <laughs> and so I was telling Hannah about this the other day because I was like showing her some um, like stuff I bought off vinted. And I was like, it's just, you know, when I was growing up, like my parents used to have like these little games and stuff were about and when they'd have like dinner parties or like people over for drinks that you could just like you know start playing these like little kind of games that were also ornaments blah blah, blah. and Hannah was like Charlie you're literally talking about a mini bowling alley that you bought and I was like
0: it's the opposite of adult <laughs>
1: good point to be fair it's vintage and brass it it's it's nice. This is another thing that makes me feel like a real adult. Like having yeah. nice wine in, especially like for having dinner parties. I'm yes. getting a dining table on Thursday and I'm so excited. I just, I could be a real adult with a flat and a dining table and like a fancy wine subscription. I don't know. Humor me in my excitement. No, I
0: absolutely get it. Like when you have someone over, it's so nice to like have a really nice wine that you can also be like, ooh, talk about a bit. The words I can use are not great. I can tell you that this wine tastes
1: good, full, <laughs>
0: full-bodied. I know what that word means. Wow. It tastes full-bodied and almost spicy. So it almost, Ooh. it tastes quite wintry.
1: I was going to say that sounds quite festive. Mm. I'm not going to attempt to describe wine because Absolutely I'm not that fair. fancy. But, but it's um, delicious.
0: So yeah, thank you so much to the people at Wine 52 for working with us again. As we said, go to www Wine52.com slash goblet and you will get a free case of three wines and you just pay for postage.
1: Why would you not want free wine? Do Let's it. be real. Now should we um address the elephant in the room?
0: Hey, Misu's big, but he's not that big.
1: <laughs> Is he in the room?
0: No. Uh, that I wasn't was actually
1: joking. what I I was referring to. Where's my fringe? so i'm coming out as straight now so the fringe went joke it's it's just it's too long so i slid it up so you just cut it captured on video rare no fringe charlie sightings
0: you can tell us apart so much more easily in this
1: yeah wasn't there one time when we used to work together that i came into work with no fringe and like halfway through the day you looked at me and were like what looks different about you and i was like The fringe!
0: Yeah, it's kind of like uncanny because you still look like you, but I couldn't work it out.
1: (laughs) The fringe doesn't morph someone's face. It
0: does. It does.
1: Fringes change people's face loads. So we have a lovely review to read out. This one comes from Sam and Scott from Canada, who says... Hurt myself laughing just about every episode. Thank you for being hilarious and rude and real. <laughs> and thanks especially to calling out JKR on being a gross person while still being fair to her art. Thank you. Please don't hurt yourself oh. whilst listening to our podcast.
0: Yeah, we don't want you to like break a rib or something. Now we're going to talk about one of the Q&As we did in our last episode. Remember that if you're listening on Spotify, we now have a poll and a and a in the what do you even call it? In the description, I guess, that yeah. you can join in on and talk to us. So the question in this episode was, ideas for our next podcast? The first one is maybe a Twilight or Hunger Games podcast. I'm sure that you girls will think of something great and I'll be here to listen or view it. Ah, I was talking to Neil the other day on this topic. I'm, I'll just touch on it very quickly. About how, obviously, like, we're now removed from teen culture in the way that we're not teenagers. So I don't know. <gasps>
1: we're not teenagers?!
0: I know. I don't know exactly what's popular. But Twilight, The Hunger Games and Harry Potter all were so massive they entered the zeitgeist outside of just being for teenagers – and as far as I can think, I can't think of any other book series specifically that has got that huge. So we really live through like the cultural moment with those. Yeah,
1: I feel like we're starting to have it come back, obviously, with BookTok and things like Actar, which is actually the next one that we've had said. Someone said, please, for the love of God, please, please, please do an Akhtar podcast. I swear it would complete my entire existence um nice. for that i have to say go listen to uh what do they call it a swish of thorns oh. and roses basically a sw- swish and flick the harry potter podcast have an akatar one i'm on an episode hannah should reach out about going on i know that i need to get in contact series. actually but yeah that's a I there would be a lot to discuss with akatar both good and bad however i do not want to like sit down and discuss like the chapter long blowjob with you so
0: absolutely not no there's just uh, how how would you analyze that don't don't answer that two people have asked for the nevermore book series by jessica townsend which not only have i not read i've never heard of which is quite rare i've heard i feel like i've heard of most things so I, i need to look into what that is
1: someone said something to do with jane austen uh, yes! The Lizzie Bennet Diaries would be fun. Or Sarah Jane Mass* again, Akita. Or maybe Tolkien. Loving the variety of just general literature suggestions. Yeah. I love it. Thank
0: you for thinking that we could talk about Jane Austen. Mm. I
1: mean, we definitely could.
0: Many people say Buffy, 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 I think because we've mentioned it so much and also a lot of our listeners love it.
1: I mean, it is like one of the only things that I could point to that are like similarly like kind of huge in pop culture i guess like Mm. and also like a big old length of it as well there's like seven seasons and then it goes into like comic books and stuff wow yeah i've not read them but someone said i would cry real tears listening to you reading and ripping apart 50 shades of gray (laughs) yeah that'd be a good one that
0: would be uh i would love for you two to read all the young dudes especially if charlie reads it for the first time
1: well, I did almost start uh, an audiobook of it today and then immediately was like no the audio quality I can't I can't do I mean, it. to
0: be fair, the commitment of someone to audiobook that when it is over half a million words is yeah. batshit insane. For
1: free. They put that content yeah.
0: out for free.
1: Massively impressive. Like massively impressive. Well done to them. I'm just not the kind of person that can sit through like bad audio quality, which isn't yeah. their fault like anyway i think we've read out probably oh someone said all oh, neil just neil banned
0: you're banned <sighs> from the podcast yeah you don't get neil for another year and you're banned
1: <laughs> oh someone else says neil or get me suit to meow on camera he did that in the last episode he actually did. get drunk while you go through taylor swift's entire disco- discography don't yes. fucking tempt us
0: no i i would i would do it i would do it
1: i mean oh i can't remember <laughs> which of them now which is terrible but one of the her dark material girls has a paramour podcast where she does that with paramour so it is a thing
0: it, it definitely is a thing right let's move on to our new patreons so a fantastic mr fox size thank you to firefly a
1: sausage size thank you to
0: sweater and mary magdalene size thank you to magdalena
1: an Ariana Grande, thank you to I- Adriana.
0: A Michelin star, size thank you to Michelina.
1: An Anna Winter, size thank you to Anita. Anika, sorry.
0: <laughs> A The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo, size thank you to Evelyn, who has upgraded their pledge.
1: Is that Evelyn or Eve- Evelyn? Shit, it might be Evelyn. Because that's my grandma's name, and she's Evelyn.
0: Oh, I've always said it Evelyn people. Well, I'm but sorry like, if it's Evelyn. No,
1: mostly I'm wondering now, like, is there a like spelling difference in the two or is it like Lucky Dip? Oh no, it is spelt the same way. So it's either yeah. Evelyn or Evelyn.
0: Yeah, because the narrator that I've heard for the audiobook calls it Evelyn Hugo.
1: Are they American? Maybe it's an American difference and then maybe loads of people are saying... Evelyn here because they're hearing Americans. I don't know. If anyone knows the... um...
0: You can also have two different ways to pronounce the same name even in English. My colleague is called the same spelling as my cousin and they say it differently which gets very confusing and I constantly now get them mixed up.
1: (laughs) If anyone knows the etymology of Evelyn Evelyn... Hit us up. Yeah. I broomstick size thank you to brooke
0: and alicia Spinnet size thank you to alicia or alicia it's this one i know is said both ways because i've had a friend called alicia and a cousin called alicia you can tell us which one it is by the way
1: <laughs> a caveman size thank you to cave casey i keep not you being do. able to say the easy names it's like a dyslexic thing my <laughs> mouth goes faster than brain and a
0: lollipop size thank you to LaWana. Thank you all so much for supporting us over on Patreon and helping this podcast to be produced. It means a lot to us.
1: Yeah. Shall we finally talk about the chapter?
0: Let's talk about the chapter. <laughs> chapter 25. The Seer Overheard. So we open up on one of my favourite scenes in all the Harry Potter books and one of my favourite bits of dialogue, which is Harry, Ron, I swear, Hermione, ev- and Ginny.
1: Every other scene you're like, so this is one of my favorite scenes in the that, book. That is
0: that is simply not true.
1: Although it has come up more
0: than any other book in book six, so it's a good book. It's a good book. Um which is Harry, Ron, Hermione, and Ginny um joking around about Harry having a tattoo and i just like it because it's like very natural and easy and funny but it also makes me a bit sad because it is our only bit of understanding of the four of them's dynamic when harry and ginny are together because um by the end of this chapter harry goes off on his mission with dumbledore when he's back obviously everything goes wrong he then breaks up with Ginny and we never see them together again and we also never see everyone this chill again so it's really sad we have this like one intro to a chapter and that's our understanding of the four of them and this is also where like all fan fictions of these four relationship uh, these four's relationship as two couples is based off
1: I also love it because Harry and Ginny are described as going out and we need to bring this back the phrase going out, it feels, and I don't know if it is even like this was a particularly British thing, but it feels You're like, it, even if other like countries said it, it feels British to be like, oh, they're going out. I want to yeah, be like, I want to be like, oh yeah, like Hannah and Neil, they're going out.
0: They're going like, out. where are you also- going? <laughs> it's also like specific specific to this time period as well because i once had a discussion with my gran years ago when i said i was going out with someone and she said what does that mean and i explained and she says you're going steady with someone
1: yeah yeah so like it's just like that british nostalgia of like when we were in school and you'd be going out with someone and it just i i do it i love that it's literature captures these like moments and this feels yeah. like you know when you had to like read some fucking shakespeare and it's like and this phrase meant this and we don't say it anymore this feels like in like hundreds or thousands of years people are going to go back and be like what did going out mean yeah and i love it it's just yeah it's so it's such a nice random like brief bit of culture just cap captured in such a huge work of fiction
0: yeah 100 percent. yeah i feel like people only use seeing each other nowadays which doesn't sound as nice
1: no and it feels a bit more adult like i yeah i would say seeing someone maybe like maybe it, teenagers do still say it and we just don't hang out with teenagers
0: we need to corral some teenagers and ask them well apparently we have them that listen to the podcast so you let us know
1: <laughs> dear teenage <gasps> Potential question: Hey, this teenagers. This might be the question you can check down below. Uh, teenagers, how do you say that you're dating someone now? We we want to know. We want to be hip. We want to be down. But with also.
0: But this is a question, are Harry and Ginny boyfriend and girlfriend? I think that they are, because nowadays we have so many nuances for when you're seeing someone or dating someone, but it's before the boyfriend and girlfriend stage, and then after the boyfriend and girlfriend stage, which again, my family once went on an entire rant, because even our parents' generation don't believe in those things. They say, as soon as you're dating someone, you are boyfriend and girlfriend. Like,
1: No, that's not right.
0: my my parents and my aunt and uncle once had a massive rant at me and my cousins in the kitchen because my cousin had been seeing this guy for more than like one date, but for like a month maybe six weeks and she was like yeah i think he's gonna ask me out soon we'll be boyfriend and girlfriend but i'm waiting for him to ask and like like the adults adults we were all adults at this point but the adults were all like that doesn't make any sense you've literally been like sleeping together going on dates your boyfriend and girlfriend
1: no i really 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 disagree i see their point because i think it's hard because obviously you become boyfriend and girlfriend before you really start to say it there it's not a sudden will you go out with me yes yes thing but it often does end up like that purely from a communication point of view. If at some point you had to have the conversation, where do we stand? Are we seeing other people? Like, yeah. If you believe in monogamy, like that kind of thing, so it can feel like it happens like that. But I definitely don't agree that you go on like two dates with your boyfriend and girlfriend. Like I, I didn't say now. Someone... I
0: said my parents' generation.
1: I mean, to be fair, um one of my old managers who was fucking batshit crazy. At one point, I went on a second date with a guy and then like the next day like you know when you have like you go well you wouldn't know other people when you like go on a date with a guy and then you have like the recap in the office the next day and like everyone's asking you like how it went and stuff we were having that conversation in my team and she was like so like did your boyfriend bring you flowers and i was like huh that's what i mean though i think for people of an older generation but she was only like 10 years older Oh. Okay. and she was french so maybe but i i was like okay one no not boyfriend and also two no of course he didn't bring me flowers and she's like well so you're not gonna see him again and i was like no what are you want about and she's like if i went on a second date and the guy didn't bring me flowers there would be no third
0: <laughs> i almost love that expectation <laughs>
1: i mean this is the thing like Kind of like damn straight. Like I wish that we did have this kind of standard. Like, and yes, maybe it's sexist and misogynistic, but I don't care. I want flowers. Like, I think yes, not every second date, obviously, but I think yeah, like maybe you're really into someone on a second or third date. Buy them some flowers. Like that would immediately make a man or anyone stand out to me. Like if they did that. But so maybe we do need to bring it back. But I was like especially like this was i was in like my early 20s at the time so i was like what the fuck do you mean did he bring me flowers
0: barely had the money for a drink on the date mate (laughs)
1: literally i was like no you don't understand he's doing a master's to get into publishing man's got no money
0: (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's so funny how it changes throughout. I'm reading, that uh, this is so off topic for like the first line of this chapter. I'm reading Call the Midwife at the moment, uh, which is the original memoir that inspired the TV series. It's set in the 1950s and anyone that is seeing a girl for more than one date, even though at that stage they would have kissed, but they wouldn't have done anything else usually before marriage for middle-class girls, is called a boyfriend. She refers to the boyfriend's pick coming to pick the girls up. But also they would have arrived with flowers. They had to do the picking up. They had to knock and wait on the doorstep. Like it's, it feels so antiquated, but I love how culture changes with things like that. And like, like the ability to be able to read someone's first hand account of this is like very amazing.
1: Yeah, I think, it it seems like so much pressure like and i know that things are very very different now but it's weird to me when like people especially people that are only 10 years older like come at you with that attitude of you being mm. on more than one date your boyfriend and girlfriend i you know i barely date i go on maybe one or two dates a year that's not me exaggerating you know this even i would have so many ex-boyfriends at this point like just because i'm 28 like yeah. I've probably been on like a dozen dates in my life. That, yeah, you, no, like they're just people I've met. Then half of them are fucking psychopaths. You know this. <laughs> yeah,
0: like, it's just like the 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 nuance of language changes. Yeah.
1: But I'm like, could you imagine the pressure of, like, you go on a second date with... Like, you go on a third date with someone and you discover they're a fucking nut job because that happens. Mm. But you're like, well, technically, they're my boyfriend.
0: My yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's... But I think Harry and Ginny are boyfriend and girlfriend. I think... Oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure they are. So going out, in this case, means boyfriend yeah. and girlfriend.
1: As well, I think, like, when you go from friends to seeing each other... I think that you tend to have, like, a pretty immediate... Like, it's not the same as if you literally just meet. I think the gap between meeting, dating, and becoming official is a lot longer when you meet randomly versus being friends first. Yeah, 100%.
0: Because when you meet randomly, you've got to do all the actual getting to knowing of someone.
1: But I think we should also bring back Facebook official. No, I think... I Nothing want worse. to be able to put it's complicated about my relationship status.
0: But yeah, also I think that the writing of Harry and Ginny together in this scene is actually like very lovely and sweet. The banter between the four of them is hilarious. Ron having a pygmy puff tattoo in an unnamed place is very witty. Well done, Ginny.
1: Do it's I good. think you get, has she ever, I can't remember if she's ever included, like aside from like, i don't know you would call it a tattoo but the dark mark but magical tattoos like that can move was that ever mentioned because that would be sick i think mm,
0: in my head it is but i think that's from listening to things on fanatical fix that include it i think this is one, <laughs> one of those crossover it's such a common thing in fan fiction um yeah because i can't does think bill any have any ta- t- does bill have any tattoos he'd be the only I one with th- them and i don't think he does
1: yeah, I don't know. I actually was talking about Bill yesterday with my sister because she's reading Crescent City, which is one of Sarah Day Mass's books. And I was saying to her, like, you have to get over the cringe because when it first starts, you go from reading like Akitar, which is like relatively vanilla, sweet, like based off like fairy tales, blah, blah, blah you go from that to reading Crescent City and it's like and then I did some drugs and then I did more drugs and I got on my motorbike and I did more drugs because I'm cool and I had a leather jacket and I was like it's exactly the same vibe as J.K. Rowling saying that Bill's cool because he had an earring.
0: And long hair Charlie.
1: And long hair. I'm like Clearly, Sarah J. Mass has the same opinion of what's cool as J.K. Rowling because it just really gives me the it's like I honestly. The,
0: I think the thing we have to remember a lot of the time is authors, as in people that spend so much of their time creating worlds inside their own head, are uncool people. Yes, <laughs> and that's a and good thing.
1: Sarah J. Mass started because she was publishing her writing on LiveJournal as a teenager. Exactly. She's exactly. not cool. She is and not I cool. That. Because I'm not a cool person either. But yeah. also when I first started, because um, I um, audio booked Crescent City as well. So it was like an American reading it, which I'm sorry, Americans, it makes everything sound 10 times cheesier. And I literally like, I was like texting people like, what the fuck are you making me read? Like, this is awful. It then got really good. But just at the start, I was like, this is unreadable. Uh It literally, like, the first, like, I don't know, two or three chapters are like, and then she did drugs, and then she did more drugs, and then she had sex in a toilet, and put on her leather jacket, and did more drugs on her motorbike, and it's like, please stop. (laughs) That's what makes people cool. The entire of Hogwarts is loving the gossip, and Harry's, like, feels... Like, not weird, he just kind of calls it out that he's like, I'm being gossiped about for something that's not like some massive tragedy for once. It's so cute. Yeah, but also, could you imagine this incredible gossip? This would if be this the in hottest gossip ever. Like, the fucking chosen one is chirpsing his best mate's younger sister. sister. Clark. Absolutely class, and she's one of the
0: hottest girls in
1: school. Yeah, and Um, he like no, she like awkwardly like knelt down and tied his shoelace. That
0: didn't happen. Didn't happen. (laughs) Didn't happen. (laughs) Um, Harry, in a few days later, is sitting trying to do his homework, but in fact, inside his own head, he is reliving a happy hour he had spent down by the lake with Ginny said it before and i'll say it again when you read a book from there when they're 11 years old i don't even want the implication of anything sexual or even it's just mm. (laughs)
1: where was the weirdest place that you got fingered in school wow i
0: don't think i got ever got fingered in school
1: oh i did under the stairs
0: (laughs) oh dearie me yeah
1: nice I was classy
0: you you are classy, yeah, you're you're one yeah. classy lady,
1: yeah, where's the weirdest place you've had sex?
0: you're whipping out all the questions,
1: um, sorry, it's just my train of thought now.
0: I have had sex in a toilet cubicle.
1: I've not done that, and I really want to. It's quite where cramped. was the toilet
0: uh in somewhere we were on holiday with a group of friends, nice, yeah. Yep. Um, I think that's probably the weirdest. It's not like crazy bizarre.
1: No, but it's hot. It was (laughs) alright. Brilliant.
0: What's your weirdest?
1: Uh, On top of a mountain.
0: That's that's pretty cool. Dangerous because you can be seen from all around, but...
1: (laughs) Well, no, but you can't because you're on top of a mountain. It's only an issue if another hiker comes along, which did happen.
0: Yeah, I, I I hope they're not having sex, but the implication is that they are. So there I feel like
1: there's there's heavy petting to put it elegantly. Yeah, there's some fondling going on. Yeah. you know, like yeah. maybe a bit of like through the clothes action. Please don't simulate that. Um, <laughs> I was gonna say I re- I always forget that we're a video podcast now, and I really regret acting that. that out.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I regret it too. But th- imagine just <sighs> being another student, like a little second year, and walking along and being like, that's how I like Poster. to think
1: <laughs> that they fully took off all of their clothes and were just <laughs> having sex at the side of the lake, like full on star- socks and everything, stark, bollock, naked. They weren't even like having a sneaky fiddle, having a sneaky fuck. They were just... Going at it fully naked, and all these first years were like, I've seen Harry Potter's ball sack.
0: Ah. And also, like, the giant squid is also just poking his head above the waterline. Like,
1: oh, he no, 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 he's part of it. He joined no, in. No, no, Ginny was like, It feels like your hands are everywhere, Harry. <laughs> and he's like, That's not me. <laughs> Thank you for that
0: fan fiction that you've
1: written. You're so welcome. I'll email you the rest of it later.
0: Thank you. Hermione comes up and confronts Harry with a new half-blood prince theory because apparently she doesn't have enough to do revising for her end of year exams. She's decided to do research that the boys are refusing to do.
1: Look, Hermione is just trying to be proven right, and I fucking respect this. I will I will put go off to everything most everything else in my yeah. life just to be proven right.
0: Also, I would say by this point, we have enough evidence to suggest that Hermione is a serious hyper-focuser to the point of the detriment of other things. Like, she is, like, if something is on her brain, she's one of those people that can only do that rather than other things.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which hard relate. But yeah, she hyper on shit.
0: So, she's come up with a newspaper clitting that has a picture of a girl in it that Did <laughs> is- you just say
1: clitting? <laughs> clitting. I said clitting. It sounded like you... I uh, It might be just the dodgy audio from remote, but it really clitting. sounded like you said a, do- a dodgy newspaper clitting. Mm.
0: She's got a dodgy newspaper clitting, and it's got a picture of a girl on. And Harry says inside his own head, "She was
1: not pretty." Zero out, One out, ten, out of we ten. We instantly know was not she must be a baddie because Harry does not want to with the giant squid have a have a little fiddle i mean i
0: is in fact not a bad person as we later find out she is a sad person who ends up then being abused by a man but you know in harry's mind it doesn't matter because he would not fuck her
1: but we know that she must be because yes i don't think she's a bad person but in harry's brain once he finds out who she's on the bad side because she spawned a little Death Eater. Spawned
0: a tiny spawn of Satan. Um, We've all done it. But, yeah, I mean... The thing is, if I was to give J.K.R. all the benefit of the doubt in the world, let's just say I was going to do that, you could be like, oh, this is written like that because teenage boys are the worst and teenage boys immediately think about looks. But we absolutely know that isn't true because it's coming from J.K. Rowling and all she thinks about is looks. So, yeah. Hermione's been quite clever and says that she thinks this could be the Half-Blood Prince because her surname is Prince and if her father... No, her mother was a muggle and her father was a wizard. It would make her half a prince. It's quite a clever theory. Harry and Ron are like, Nah, shut up, stupid woman. It's obviously
1: a bloke. It's so infuriating because they do not give a valid reason. Because Hermione makes the very good point that there are no princes in the wizarding world. Yep. Therefore, what is it? And it's not like either of them come up with like a valid thing like they could have even said well maybe it could have been a relative of her or something like that if they think it's a guy but they don't give anything Hermione's theory that Prince is a last name makes perfect fucking sense especially because it ends up being correct yeah exactly
0: I can't even yeah because they literally just sit there going I just know it's a bloke I just know and what's really frustrating is they turn out to be right (laughs)
1: I mean, yeah, but also but Hermione's, so does Hermione really. it's the last name. But yeah, it's just it yeah, it's infuriating that they don't they're not like, oh no, you're wrong. Prince could mean
0: Yeah, it's it's so and they're so dismissive of her and the fact she's put work in to the point of absolute rudeness. So Hermione yeah. storms off and Harry gets a note to go to Dumbledore's office immediately. So Harry is jogging away. Dum, 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 So Harry's jogging away and he comes across Professor Trelawney yelling and realises they're outside the room of requirements.
1: Yeah, well he hears her yelling and then goes after it which is like unusually like aware of his surroundings for Harry.
0: True, but I feel like Um, Harry is unaware of his surroundings until it involves some sort of danger or opportunity to act the hero and then he's suddenly like Ta-da!
1: Yeah, because this is the thing. If this were me, yes, I would hear the yelling because I am, for the most part, aware of my surroundings. But I would be like, hmm, that sounds like none of my business. And then I would continue on my merry little way. I'd go see what the yelling is. No, what if they need help? None of my business. Someone else will help them.
0: Charlie watches someone be stabbed in the street and is just like, it's none of my business really, is it?
1: Yeah. It's not I didn't do the stabbing. I wasn't the stabby.
0: He comes across Jelani relying outside the room of requirements. She's drunk and surrounded by bottles. Um, No one in the staff seems to have stepped in this entire year to help with Jelani's drinking problem, which A, is extremely sad because why have none of the other staff noticed or cared? And B, if they have noticed or cared and haven't stepped in, A, it's not just bad from a moral perspective, she's also in charge of children.
1: Yeah, and it's also kind of like once again J.K. Rowling's using alcoholism as a punchline, which is not cool. Yeah, it's a very I, serious disease.
0: I don't know if at this point it is a. I think by this point it's so over. I can't tell, but she doesn't really have strong opinions on it enough either way for it to be like a reason to be in there.
1: Yeah, my thing is, it's not that I think that she has strong opinions about it. I think that she just isn't taking it seriously, and I think that Trelawney's supposed to be this like laughed at character. Yeah, and I and it's not put in there in a way where it's like, and we're gonna address this. Like, one, this is like a plot device now, but I I feel like there's a lot of lines in this when it's kind of like it's not like a knock knock joke, but it is kind of like. She's laugh drunk with again, a silly woman. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, she's been hiding these over the years. Blah blah blah. Yeah. So
0: Trelawney was trying to get into the room to hide bottles, and she heard someone whooping in happiness. So this kind of implies, not implies, tells us Harry saw the cabinet when he went to hide the book. Trelawney is now trying to hide bottles, so Malfoy isn't using the room for like a workshop fixing room. He is using it as the room of hidden things i've started to question why and then i realized it's because filch just uses it as the room of hidden things to store everything he doesn't want in the castle anymore and that's where the cabinet was after the issue with montague the cabinet was put in the room of hidden things so it's not like Malfur could have taken it out and then used the room for a different purpose he had to go into the room of hidden things to access the cabinet does that make sense
1: yeah, I guess that's kinda of always how I saw it. But I guess technically he he could have like, if he wanted, taken the cabinet out and then but there's no point in doing it because the thing with the room of requirement is even if it's the room of hidden things, he could go I want a spanner and a spanner would appear, you know? Yeah. Like we have that implication from how Neville ends up using it in book seven.
0: Yeah, and even actually how harry uses it in the fifth book he thinks oh i need something like for people to sit on and there are cushions so like yeah neville uses it the best out of all of them but i think any of them can do that so yeah it's just funny that like the room of hidden things it makes the same room over and over again no matter how you're phrasing i want to hide something i need somewhere to hide something like it's just making the same room again which i find funny and contains objects that other people have hidden. I don't know. It's like the way the room works is crazy, obviously.
1: So Profty is basically like, yeah, like I heard someone in there. So I called out like, who the fuck is this? And Harry's like, couldn't you have found out who it was without asking? Which she then takes as a slight towards her powers by being like, the inner eye was fixed upon matters well outside the mundane realms of whooping voices. You could have looked love maybe that wasn't a dig maybe mate you had eyeballs you could have snuck around the corner couldn't you and taken a little gander like you didn't have to yell out like i just find it so funny that it's like couldn't harry's like couldn't you have found out who it was without asking and she just takes this as like a dig and it's like you've got eyeballs sneak in just have a little tiptoe around the corner and
0: no everything's a slight against her
1: yeah so
0: yeah then she's thrown backwards out of the room and she like tells all this to harry and harry's like okay okay let's visit dumbledore chelani says that dumbledore's been pushing her away all year he doesn't want to hear from her and then she starts being like oh this is why he's pushing me away i keep showing him cards and whatever happens it's always the same card the lightning struck tower meaning calamity and this is where i'm just like okay so we have been told Trelawney is mostly a fraud, apart from when she goes into such a deep trance, only twice in her life, she makes predictions that she doesn't even remember making. But this is not true, because although she makes quite a lot of fraudulent predictions... This prediction is not only true about Calamity, the card itself is shockingly accurate, and according to her, she's been pulling it all year. So some but, of her predict. So, like, to me, this is, like, her seer powers that she clearly does have do occasionally bleed through for something, like, extremely seismic.
1: Yeah, I, I do agree. Like, I think that... Because there's that whole thing about how, like, she's cursed, that no one will believe her and stuff, and I do absolutely buy that, that a lot of her... Uh, predictions are correct but this specific one annoys me because this is not how tarot works at all and it just it feels like it could have been a bit more researched it uh, like i don't know i'm a massive sucker for like doing things like this properly like if you're gonna reference something that actually exists do it properly or don't do it like you could make up any more bullshit it doesn't have to be tarot cards used here because like the whole lightning struck tower feels so fucking on the nose and that's not how a tarot card work like it's not oh this image represents what's going to happen in a way that oh they're on a tower later like that's not how it works the tarot card itself does actually kind of work i looked it up so the thing is with tarot it's how you pull it is the thing so if you pull it and it's upright it can mean sudden change upheaval chaos revelation or awakening so obviously this does work in that it's chaos and a sudden change especially for harry in particular thing is i'm like okay i'm not an expert on tarot like Everything about this is either I'm reading from what the actual card means or remembering how it's done from when I was a teenager and got really into it. So I'm probably misremembering, but it's about who shuffles the deck. So if I was going to do your reading, you would sh- shuffle the deck. If I were to shuffle the deck for you, that would be my reading. Mm. So really, this is a if she's doing the shuffling. I'm pretty sure and like maybe someone can message us because this could be completely wrong but I'm pretty sure that would just be her own so it's not like she's like Harry shuffle these cards and then he pulls it and it means sudden change and I guess it is also chaos for her but anyway that's if it's upright if it's reversed it means personal transformation fear of change averting disaster so vaguely relevant again something that i did like in one of the descriptions i had was the tower itself is a solid structure but because it's been built on shaky foundations it only takes one bolt of lightning to bring it down it represents ambitions and goals made on false premises
0: which that's good
1: yeah i do like that bit but then again this would be so good if it was like draco that had shuffled the cards Mm. but it's not that to my knowledge is not how tarot works but yeah it, it the card does kind of work out of pure chance But I feel like JK picked this card because it's the tower and it just happened that it does kind of work.
0: Yeah. But
1: it's like, actually, there's probably tarot cards that would work a lot better in terms of their actual meaning. But then obviously wouldn't have the like, well, not even fancy, the very basic symbolism of it's a tower
0: well she did the one before earlier in the year which i can't remember what the card was but it meant um a man who doesn't like the questioner which also fits although we couldn't agree who it fitted on yeah i i have never looked into tarot ever in my life so to me the actual how it works just passed me by for more the thinking of like oh no one believes that she is a seer and she does have seer power but yeah it's kind of like if you're gonna if you're gonna put it in How's that working? Because she says this is the one she's been pulling for Dumbledore, but how? And that would explain why you're always pulling the same one if you're the one pulling it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, because I I would argue that it's not a sudden change for Dumbledore unless you count being unalived as a sudden change. I mean, yeah, it's
0: very different.
1: Yeah, but then there's cards that actually represent death, so... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, it... It's like, this is me being, I know this is me being really pedantic, but to me, when you have like a fantasy world, you could be like, and here there was this magical way of fortune telling that I've completely made up. Yeah, you don't have to rely on the ones that already exist. And if you are, get it fucking right. Well, I've
0: always thought that the reason why we're using the ones that already exist, like um, the, the tea leaves, the ball the tarot cards is because trelawney is relying on these as a teaching method because a being a seer literally can't be taught and b she doesn't know what else to teach so she's using false future telling devices to try to teach something but and the thing is maybe it doesn't matter that it's not being done in the right way that it's not dumbledore pulling it because again it's her seer actual blood coming through and making the two predictions she's we've heard this year which was about the man who questions, who distrusts the questioner and the lightning struck tower that's why she's pulling them because something about her seer things is coming through because this is not only is it such a seismic prediction it directly correlates to her other two predictions like it is about voldemort's rise to power and fall from power
1: yeah, like I do agree on that side of it in terms of like the end result. I think what annoys me more is more like from the JK Rowling writing point of view, it would have yeah. been so easy instead to make this so I've got like you know when you've got like a bit of hair on your face that you And just it just can't, won't go, yeah. Is it would have been so easy for her to make this. Dumbledore wants less visits from me because I keep trying to make him like do his tarot fortune and I keep pulling this card, you know? Like Yeah, As opposed to the the image we're given is that she's all we've been sat alone in her room being like, it's the same card. And it's like, and I could be completely wrong, but it's like, it's between that and the fact that it's the literal tower image. And maybe it's a pet peeve as well, because it's like that classic thing where like, I can't like people get like the lover's card and they're like well this must mean romance is coming and again I'm probably wrong but I'm pretty sure it can actually just mean something else like yeah it does isn't actually it feels like that equivalent this where it's like taking the most basic interpretation and because at the end of the day all of this kind of thing like tarot horoscope like I'm sorry I, do, I don't personally believe in them but obviously everyone has the right to but to me the reason that a lot of people believe in them is because they're like this applied to me and it's like yes because it's vague and that's what they do it's not a lightning struck tower doesn't mean you're gonna be up a tower and get struck by lightning it means any of these vague things that it represents that's how you always think yes tarot or like uh i almost said holocaust then not holoscope (laughs) (laughs) or your horoscope seems correct because they keep it vague they're like you're a capricorn so you have emotions and it's like so does everyone (laughs) yeah yeah but i guess that's why it annoys me because i'm like these things are like supposed to be so vague that for her Mm. to be kind of doing this really like literal interpretation yeah yeah
0: yeah, I get that. I then started kind of putting this together with the alcoholism that is for some reason put into this book. And like, I don't think this is the reason it's in here. But if it, I was to write it, this would be the reason it's in here. That either, like, the alcohol is... The reason why her predictions have been more right this year than any other school year is because the alcohol actually makes her a better seer. And it's making that seer quality bleed through. Or she is subconsciously becoming an alcoholic because she knows she is right about what she's predicting and can't cope with that mentally it's it's sad
1: yeah that all like i just think being a hogwarts teacher must fucking suck
0: oh like gotcha
1: yet no time off and like unless you're in the lesbian throuple who do you have sex with like where's your like romantic or sex life like where's your social life outside of the other teachers who i'm sorry are your work colleagues like you can't fucking go anywhere like i don't you know to you're surrounded by sticky teenagers like I, know. I just it must suck maybe she's an alcoholic because she's fucking bored
0: Yeah, and also, this is the exact reason why real boarding schools have boardmasters separate from the teachers who care for the students in the downtime.
1: Yeah. Yeah, like, why doesn't Hogwarts have that? I don't know, because
0: any traditional boarding school, even back, if we're talking the early 1900s, where boarding schools were a lot more traditional, have, like, boardmasters, housemasters, housekeepers, things like that.
1: Yeah, they're like, um, like house mums or whatever they call them like yeah um, yeah yeah I read really never thought about that
0: so Trelawney agrees to go to Dumbledore's office and then they're starting to walk and she's just chatting about teaching and that she misses Harry and like it's just like wanting to make conversation clearly no one talks to this woman and she just wants a little chat and so she's talking about when she
1: got hired and mm. done but sorry before this she says that she missed him in lessons he wasn't much of a seer no but he was a great object with a capital o (laughs) this woman shouldn't be allowed in schools no shouldn't be allowed to be a teacher this i mean i think we've already known that like her breed of fortune telling is deeply immoral but um yeah fuck this bitch yeah pretty much yeah yikes But we know she's not meant to be a teacher. She's only there
0: for her own protection because Dumbledore uses the school as his personal witness protection scheme. (laughs) Woo! So yeah, she's talking about when she got hired and done, done, fucking done. Snape was the Death Eater that was listening at the door for the prophecy. And I find it wild that we find this information out one book before the end like and literally at the end of that book like in my head yeah. it's so ingrained with how i read the books so i'm like what I know.
1: <laughs> like we've said this about a few things but yeah there's so many of these moments where i'm like oh my god we only just find this out i thought we already knew that like yeah. wild
0: mad um, absolutely mad
1: yeah and i have no memory of reading that for the first time
0: no me neither
1: harry so- then tells her to stay there stay there <laughs> and can i just point out he never undoes that. And I like to think that she is there the entire rest of the night, through the battle and everything, for hours and hours, just stood there waiting for Harry. Like, but he told me to stay here. He told
0: me to <laughs> like, stay. I don't he love Harry. Say,
1: he doesn't say, go back, like, no. go back to your room, like, piss off. Like, he says, stay here. Stay there. And then he never comes back for her. No. Shit, legend has it. She's still waiting there she's right now. She's still
0: standing there. Do still, we ever yeah. see her again? I mean, yes, we
1: do, but <laughs> still. <laughs> but do we know it's not in this corridor? No. No, we don't. <laughs> From now on, every... What does she teach? What's the word?
0: Divination. Divination.
1: Every divination lesson that she teaches... Is in this corridor. Is in this hallway. She's like, Harry's going like, come back for me. Yeah, and they're like, "Miss." Why are we learning in this corridor now? Because that's what British schoolchildren sound like. Miss? And, and and she's like, I'm waiting for the chosen one.
0: <laughs> I don't know why she's making that noise. So Harry sprints off to Dumbledore's office. He's like, oh my God, my entire life has changed. And he gets into the office and... He's kind of... I was like, what's happening? He's kind of forgotten why he's meant to be going up there and Dumbledore dives straight in he's like, I told you I'd take you with me when I found one and I found one. So Harry's a bit blindsided. He's like, oh, right, okay. How have you found one? And Dumbledore's like, it's something I've suspected for a while. And then he's like, And Harry's like, how is it protected? And Dumbledore's like, I have my suspicions. Say them. Say them. Say what your suspicions are about the protection. And also, more importantly, say why you have those suspicions. How did you figure out they might be the protection so that Harry can figure out what the protection might be on future Horcruxes?
1: Yeah. And this entire conversation they have, when Harry's burst in there raging, like about to have a go at him, and then it just kind of gets paused for a little bit before Dumbledore's essentially like, "What happened? What's, What's wrong? Upset you, and I like to think that this entire time they've had the conversation, and this is Harry <laughs> just like about to punch him in this entire conversation. Dumbledore's just got Harry's fist like here, just yeah, so I found a hall crux, yeah, I um, I think it's here, Blah. by the way, what are you doing? sense you're upset and harry's like how do you know <laughs> the and thing Dumbledore's, is double door's like i can read mine i can read minds the <laughs> thing is i can
0: absolutely picture being in harry's shoes right now because i well, la, la, you remember last year when i had my small miniature breakdown at work um which one which one <laughs> the big one the day before we went to america I guess, yeah. The biggest one of the year.
1: I mean, I also would have been really stressed at this time, so. I tried to go into
0: a meeting and give my normal updates, a one-on-one meeting, and I was giving my normal updates. And then my boss asked me another question and I was talking. And then he went, what's wrong, by the way? Because your voice is very high-pitched. And I just went, you <laughs> angry crying because i cannot be angry in a work situation without bursting into tears which doesn't really help me be a serious employee but i have no other way i can handle myself
1: no and i and i've had therapy about this exact issue i can't talk about anything personal without crying yeah which is so bad in work environments don't get me wrong i think that obviously you should be able to cry at work but obviously a lot more like older old school managers don't have that opinion the amount of times I have sat in meetings with my manager sobbing, going, I am, I'm, to- I'm totally fine ignore the fact i'm crying and like and i genuinely will be fine like i won't be remotely upset but i will be telling them something personal that they need to know yeah and i'm like ignore the crying i'm I'm not upset about this i just can't talk and like genuinely (laughs) thing is i had therapy about it therapist didn't have any answers for me she was like okay yeah yeah (laughs)
0: So yeah, this, I just can't do it. I'm Harry in this situation where you're just like, yeah, I'm giving my updates and carrying on. Then someone's like, so what's wrong? And you're like, <gasps> everything. <laughs>
1: Literally, nothing will make me cry more than someone saying, and genuinely like, how are you? like like you know when it's not just oh how are you it's like oh Oh, how how are you really and like sometimes i'm like because i have the worst thing of like when i'm really struggling with my mental health a lot of the time i'm completely oblivious which sounds really strange but it's like it just becomes your like permanent state of being to be miserable or anxious so you don't realize until either after the fact when you're like suddenly i feel better and Mm. that's made me realize how miserable i've been or when someone asks you and you do a moment self-reflection and you're like so like the amount of times I'm like, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. And someone's like, how are you? And I'm like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I'm literally like, until that moment, I had no idea that I wasn't fine. <laughs> yeah, I was aware I wasn't fine, was trying
0: to hold it in and be a professional before we I, we went to America and I did not succeed. R.I.P. R.I.P. me. So then Dumbledore is like, what's wrong? Are you upset? And Harry's like, I'm not upset. Worst lie ever. I literally imagine being like, I'm
1: I'm not upset. I, I, I. Well, no, because he's literally, he's got his fist <laughs> inches away from Dumbledore's face. I'm not upset. Literally Ross from Friends. I'm fine. fine. I'm fine. So then
0: Harry confronts Dumbledore and Dumbledore has this moment where he doesn't reply for a while. And then he clearly thinks and chooses how to answer which leads me to believe that this was one of the main things that was not in Dumbledore's plan which means he never meant for Harry to find out this bit of information which I understand why because Snape has asked him not to tell him and but I, I almost can't understand okay so the bit of information that Snape really doesn't want Harry to know is that he was in love with Lily And once Harry knows this bit of information, the only thing that can make Snape redeemable Hannah's doing giant air quotes in the text is that he was in love with Lily. So I'm guessing that's why he needs to keep the information back. And also, I don't know. It's like... There's a lot that Dumbledore ends up telling Harry but this is very clearly something that was not in the plan. But that's so stupid of Dumbledore as well because he has been, as the book says, neglecting Trelawney throughout the year refusing to see her, not wanting her in his office, whilst Trelawney's just sitting with this bit of information. So it's Dumbledore's own negligence of Trelawney, who he chose to put in witness protection in his own school that this issue has occurred.
1: Yeah, this part really annoys me because Harry is essentially like, hey, a fan out of state what the fuck why do you trust him and dumbledore has this moment of reflection where the way i interpret it is he's clearly thinking do i reveal to harry that snape wanted to fuck his mum or not yeah and clearly comes down on the side of no which means that he has to fob harry off with this really weak reply about how so we didn't know specifically that it would be his parents which just is so irrelevant it's like it doesn't change it if you know them or not like it doesn't make it like better if you didn't know them it yeah it's it's so weak and then he just kind of brush it brushes it under the rug but i know that you could argue oh he's trying to be loyal to snape and that snape doesn't want harry to know because this is the only reason not to tell harry yeah if snape doesn't want him to know and i get that but this is a man who is you know raising Harry as a lamb for slaughter or whatever like Dumbledore is so morally gray and we see so many times that he decides to like you know he sends Lupin to the werewolves he sends Hagrid to the giants he locks Sirius up he makes so many of these like really hard decisions that really put good people in a bad situation and he chooses to do it for the greater good yeah that i find it really unbelievable that he wouldn't go back on one small promise to snape by telling harry that snape was in love with lily it just feels really out of character for dumbledore to the point where i'm like this feels like it was just done for plot convenience the only thing i can think is that harry for various
0: reasons has to believe during so Dumbledore knows he's going to die at the end of this year. He has asked Snape to do it so that Snape can finally and fully convince Voldemort that he's on his side. Dumbledore chooses not to share this information with anyone, even Lupin, Kingsley, McGonagall, his top advisors. He also chooses not to share this information with Harry. So clearly Dumbledore's plan is no one can know this information. Snape must be fully believed to be in Voldemort's circle including Harry as part of that because otherwise I don't know like uh, I guess for his own protection.
1: No but there is no reason and like Harry is like we know that Harry is the one that has more information than anyone else like you know like I think is it lupin that sits him down in the next book and is like so tell us like dumbledore would have wanted you to tell us yeah what your mission is like harry knows more than anyone else so i can't think of and and someone correct me if i'm wrong i cannot think of a logical reason that harry couldn't know that dumbledore at this point couldn't go he is on a good side he regretted it because he really wanted to fuck your mum, um but also don't tell anyone and treat him the same as you would anyway
0: like i guess all yeah that, maybe he doesn't trust harry to treat him the same and he would therefore give him away to voldemort and have him killed because snape has to be alive to the last moment for the plan to work and he doesn't trust harry to act the same way to be as angry with him or 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 because harry is such shit at Ockleman's, if he tells him this information and he's ever captured by Voldemort, Voldemort would find out, therefore condemning Snape to death.
1: Yeah, maybe. I think that's probably, yeah, the only reason that I can get behind. For me, that's still, I think, a bit too strength. Like, yeah, like, it's a bit not direct enough because we never, like, that's the kind of thing that if that's the case, I would have wanted in book seven, Harry to work that out.
0: Yeah, same.
1: But because he never has the thought process, why didn't Dumbledore tell me the truth? It just leads me to believe that this is supposed to be Dumbledore, like, keeping Snape secret for him, which is just really out of character for Dumbledore. Like, at the end of the day, why doesn't Snape want anyone to know? The only reason is because it's essentially his cover. Yeah, And we know, obviously, that Snape's really immature, but you could say, oh, he's embarrassed by his crush, but... That's really immature. And I know he's immature, but that's far even for Snape. And that's not a reason worthy of respecting. No. From Dumbledore's <laughs> point of view. No. Sorry, that was me opening a drawer with my foot if there was just a massive creak on the audio.
0: There was. And to pick back on your, up on your point that the weak answer Dumbledore gives is that he didn't know who Voldemort would target. A, you knew it would be one of two boys. Maybe you didn't. Maybe you thought loads of wizard boys were born in that month and it turned out just to be two. But you did know that Harry was born in that month. B, you also knew that a mother, father and son would be killed. And don't use the excuse that Voldemort only wanted to kill the son. So the mother and father, as we've discussed, any mother and father would stand up to stop their own son being killed or the vast majority of them would. So you still condemned one to three innocent people and at least if you're not going to call them innocent because they're not on your side the baby's fucking innocent to death and you still did that and then your only excuse later well your only excuse now is oh it was worse than he thought and he changed his mind and your only excuse later is oh but i fancied that mum but it would have been fine if it was alice longbottom because i didn't fancy her she was a minger
1: yeah like i know that reading back through the books there's quite a few moments where it's like we maybe should have been like hey maybe jk doesn't have the best morals or opinions from this but this has to be one of the leading moments in terms of like the fact that an adult really sat down and wrote yes this is a redemption arc because he was in love with her it makes no fucking sense i
0: could have even have got behind it keeping it exactly as it is, with it being a redemption art to the point where Snape was grey. He was evil and he tried to become good. It all falls down in the epilogue with Harry middle naming his child Severus because then Harry has completely forgiven him, which makes no sense. You are allowed to finish it in the same way with Snape having this turn of heart because he fancied Lily and that not making him a fully good person, but it not making him a catatonically like evil person. It just making him a bad person who tried to then make the world better
1: yeah i just like and i mean you know my views on like this kind of thing Mm. as metaphors i mean this one isn't at least too bad because the really bad ones are when it's like using any kind of monster as (laughs) a metaphor for like a minority group but like this is obviously a holocaust metaphor so i think if we put this into the terms of there was a nazi who was a nazi and was like yes i hate jewish people and then
0: Sorry, I'm going to look like I'm laughing, so I have to explain why. Because this is going to look really bad now we're on video.
1: (laughs) You're like, I just find the Holocaust so funny.
0: No. In English, we were told to write a short story and it could be adapted from something we already knew. And I thought I was insanely intelligent for adapting the prince's tale into a Holocaust story. (laughs) I was 15, but... I adapted something I, I got one of the highest marks in the class for it so I'll take that but that's the reason why I'm laughing in the background because yes I also saw this metaphor as a 15 year old and decided yep. to write a short story about it
1: do you still have it?
0: yeah probably I kept everything from school
1: if we picture this as there is a man who is a Nazi who hates Jewish people but is also in love with the Jewish girl and he sells information to Hitler on Jewish people, which results in Hitler killing the Jewish girl that he specifically loves, and that's what it takes for him to be like, "Hey, are Nazi's bad." Like this is the situation that we have, and J.K. Rowling, in her fucking whiteness, was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is this, this is, is a redemption arc. This is a good character. He found the one Jewish person." That he loved and that made him realise that not all Jews deserve to die just because of this one Jewish... No! But if Hitler not had chosen the other Jewish woman, then he would have carried on
0: down the big old Nazi path. Would have just
1: really continued hating the Jews? No! No, 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 no! And the fact that J.K. Rowling, an educated fully grown woman really sat down and wrote this like yes this is a redemption arc i've got it's it o- everyone <laughs> it's okay to be a nazi as long as you fancy what no no ah! our generation was fucking brainwashed by harry potter that we thought that this was woke <laughs>
0: You say that, I feel like this is one of the least controversial things in the fandom, that Snape was bad, actually. Like, this is one of the things that fans at least,
1: majority-wise, agree on, thank God. Now. Now. Mm. But, back when we were children reading this, it absolutely made you like, oh my God, like, not all of us, obviously, but like, I do think that like, when you have your first reading of harry potter when you're like 12 you really don't read it the same way as you do now oh yeah but and don't get me wrong i think you know we've had this conversation before before jk rowling turned out to be an asshat but like you know i, I, I do word, credit
0: asshat.
1: i do i do credit <laughs> harry potter with the reason that our generation is as left-wing as we are yeah however there is so much literature out there had it been given the marketing budgets that harry potter was Mm. that would have made us much more left wing in so much less of a problematic way Mm. the only reason that harry potter did what it did in terms of shaping the minds of our generation was because of the marketing spend and i feel like it was essentially the gateway drug into like liberal left-wing politics in that this was the one that set our mind rolling to be like yes these really terrible metaphors blah 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 which then led us to educate ourselves in the future so it was the gateway drug but there were gateway drugs that could have been so much better in terms of books not don't don't do drugs kids do you know who are the real scum
0: of the earth marketers do you know what we both do Marketing.
1: Yeah, fuck us. (laughs) (laughs) Look, it's okay. I'm not the scum of the earth because I don't do marketing for books. Only a real arsehole would do that.
0: Yeah, you do marketing for products that are sold so that women can buy an excessive amount of beauty products that they don't need to try to improve their appearance that doesn't need improving.
1: But books of paper, Hannah, and the poor trees, <laughs> the poor trees, the poor trees. You've not thought of the fucking trees, have you? <laughs> You've Hannah? not thought of you the trees, dumb bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Can I
0: talk about symbolism? If you must, the bloody tinge cast by the setting sun, um, the red tinge of the sunset is mentioned multiple times, and yeah, I feel like Harry Potter doesn't. Well, I've mentioned symbolism before, I've pulled it out before, but because it's a why a book? It doesn't. It isn't like chock-a-block with loads of symbolism. So this stood out to me quite a lot because yeah, we're we're getting a description of a sunset. It is the last sunset Dumbledore will ever see, and his eventual death is predicted in the bloody color that is used and also if you think about a sunset it's the dying light and multiple times three times in this chapter he is described as being silhouetted against the sunset so like we're getting this description in front of him with the dying light the bloody light the last rays like the symbolism of his eventual death but him as also looking out over the grounds of hogwarts and the power of that and his ownership of that the third description of the red light is described as ruby red glare and fiery and that made me think of all the way to book one yes i'm tying like book one into this of mars is bright tonight when we mentioned mars is bright tonight um and when mars was brought up in book five with Ferenzi, mars is the god of war and the centaurs have been saying for years we are in a brief hiatus between two wars mars in the sky means the promise of war and with the dawn that's coming tomorrow the what the second wizarding war will have truly begun it kind of begun a year ago but with dumbledore's death it will have truly begun so i think like that's why the use of the word like red and fiery is also there because it ties it in with this whole thing with Mars and redness. Love, love when we get a bit of symbolism. Harry is really right to question Dumbledore. Dumbledore gets angry at him and basically shuts him down. But Harry is so right for doing this. And Dumbledore does not give enough of an explanation. And... Also, what he says isn't enough for Harry to trust Dumbledore blindly anymore. Why should he? He shames him into stop talking by saying, do you still want to come, basically. So he shames him into stop asking questions. And I had never put this together before, how key it is that this happens in this moment before he has to go to the cave and the tower and hours before Dumbledore's death. Because we know in book seven, Harry almost stops trusting Dumbledore's word he questions how he blindly believed Dumbledore but I think this is set in motion right now that in the last major conversation he has with Dumbledore he can't fully trust him he doesn't fully believe what Dumbledore says but he shuts himself down because he wants to go on the mission and we can tell he doesn't trust him because in the very next scene he goes and gives the map and the lucky potion to Ron Hermione and says keep an eye on Snape and Draco like to this point, Harry has blindly trusted Dumbledore. He then got angry with him in book five and he thought they'd crossed a path to the point where Dumbledore was now... He said, I'm going to tell you the whole truth and has just find out, no, he's been lying to me. What else could he be lying about? And I think this also will become a really key moment in the Tower when Dumbledore has to pet, pet Petrificus totalis Harry so that Harry cannot make his own actions like what is he not trusting me to do he's given me his word about snape and then i watch snape murder him it makes complete sense that harry no longer trusts dumbledore come book seven
1: yeah absolutely i also think that it sets a ball rolling on the themes of him being like i always thought i had more time i should have asked dumbledore more questions Mm. because this is quite literally this is his chance to ask more questions more follow-up questions about Snape, but he lets them be pushed down yeah by Dumbledore to the point where he doesn't ask as much as he would have had they not had this little adventure upcoming like I think at this moment Harry definitely hasn't bought Dumbledore's story doesn't fully trust or believe what he said but he's like I'm gonna That's for dealing with later. I'll go on the thing, ask him more questions another time about it. And he never gets the to, yeah. And he never does. And that means that in the next book, then when Harry starts to find out all this information about Dumbledore, this is kind of like adding to his, all of the things that I never asked that I should.
0: Yeah, 100%. So Harry goes to get the cloak under Dumbledore's instruction, but also grabs the map and the lucky potion and tells ron hermione to keep an eye on malfoy and snape his trust in dumbledore is faded but also that means for one the first times kind of even though he's under dumbledore's wing at the end of this book he's an adult who's thinking independently like obviously at the end of each book we always get harry being independent because he's often on his own but he's being given instructions by dumbledore on going against them which is nice to see because he's about to turn 17 and is gonna have to do this shit on his own
1: yeah, and we also have this thing of Harry being so good under pressure, and it's actually like, I think it's called out there's like a throwaway, not even line, a phrase about like, Harry just knew what to do. Yeah. And Harry is such a dumb fucking bitch, she is, until the pressure is on, and then it's almost unbelievable how the moment the pressure's on, he's immediately like, his instincts, he's like, yes, I need to do this, I need to give them this, and do this, and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like, it's, it's very the second impressive. time. It's the second time we've had this in a series of chapters, the first one being hiding the potions book. Indeed. He just immediately knows what to do. And it is very impressive because when I'm under pressure, my brain goes, Bye. He
0: tells Ron Hermione to contact the DA, which will be important later on. And then he says the line, which I had forgotten about. I'll be fine. I'll be with Dumbledore which has extra because as you guys may know we've recorded these episodes out of order so we've already done the cave which ends with Dumbledore saying I am not worried Harry I am with you so the there was parallel... just weird
1: <laughs> if there was just weird noises Todd was sniffing the microphone
0: <laughs> <laughs> num num the parallel between those two lines is painful Yeah, they then start leaving Hogwarts, walking down through the driveway and the warm grass, the smell of the lake water and the wood smoke from Hagrid's hut is described, which I think is quite important because unbeknownst to Harry, this is his last happy day at Hogwarts. And in many ways, his last day of childhood. After this, he will choose to not come back. So I think like that's why these things are pointed out. They then get into Hogsmeade, And a word I didn't know existed came up, which I was shocked at because I was like, I thought I knew most words that would be used in Harry Potter by now. It says, right, it says twilight. And I was like, is that a misspelling of twilight? Because I thought you could just say the twilight streets. No, when something is lit by twilight, it's twilight. But I was like... I don't think I've ever seen this word written down before. Twilight. Hmm,
1: Am I being stupid? Not necessarily.
0: I was just really shocked by the use of the word Twilight for some reason. So yeah, they head to Hogsmeade and apparate away.
1: Uh, Todd is sat on his, like, cat tree. Aww. Which is just distinctly uncat behaviour. Cats don't sit where they're supposed to. He's actually utilising the thing that I've bought for him.
0: No, that's wrong.
1: He must really want attention. Are you being t- attention-, attention deprived? We have a
0: question. That's the end of the oh God. My notes, by the you, way.
1: You told me to prep for this question.
0: I also told I myself not. to prep for this question and I did not. So this question comes from Sari. Remember, you can ask us a question at the end of the episode if you're a $10 or above patron. I was curious, what characters do you think may be neurodivergent or could have similar traits? Luna is standout one, but maybe also Trelawney. She isn't great in social settings, she can't pick up on certain cues, Hermione's sorting out, storming out. She's passionate about divination, and I can't, remember, can't quite remember in the books, but in the movies, at least, she doesn't have great spatial awareness. This is only three things, but it got me thinking about what pro- representation there could be or we could find in the series. I think... I actually touched on it earlier. I was saying Hermione hyperfixates, which can obviously be a form of ADHD, and I feel like she may have other or tendencies autism. or autism, and she may have other tendencies which could lend themselves to both of those.
1: I was going to say Sirius definitely has ADHD.
0: Yeah, that's a good one.
1: I want to head canon. Um, Oliver Wood as autistic, and his special interest <laughs> is Quidditch.
0: Yes. <laughs> Bless Oliver Wood. <laughs> yeah. uh, my favourite. I think that you could also make the argument for Percy being autistic. He, yeah, in, in certain ways.
1: Yes, but then I also really love Chris Rankin's interpretation of Percy as not actually, like, that particularly smart, but mm. just the, it being, like, more of a mental thing of feeling inadequate because of all his brothers and stuff, and not yeah. feeling like he has his thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the
0: great thing is multiple interpretations, so...
1: Yep. I, I mean, Harry has PTSD. Yes. For, on, like, multiple accounts. On so
0: many levels, Harry has PTSD.
1: Mad-Eye has something. I don't know what it is. Possibly multiple things, but that's not a neurotypical man. <laughs> oh my mean... god, Mr. Weasley is autistic. Obviously, and his special interest, his is muggle Obviously, he is. Ah, oh. Tonks uh is dyspraxic. Yes, I was just reading
0: dyspraxic and in my head I was like, did you know that Daniel Radcliffe is dyspraxic? That's not helpful. He's not a character, he is an actor.
1: <laughs> I could really see Neville as dyslexic. Yeah. Because definitely. I think that it would explain like having been there, it would explain a lot of his like self-confidence issues when it comes to academic academia given we know that he is smart and powerful and whatnot. And I know that we kind of given the reason of The wand. um... The wand? No, I thought that's Ron, is it not?
0: No, it's also Neville. Neville was using his dad's wand up until the battle at the end of
1: book five okay but we're also given the reason of like his kind of family like was it his like granddad or uncle or someone that hung him out a window and stuff like that trying to that's some ptsd right there (laughs) i mean yeah but also like i feel like the whole uh, squib thing is kind of like can be interpreted as a metaphor for dyslexia Mm. in a way So I feel like the whole like trauma behind being dangled out a window and like bullied by his family for not being able to do a certain thing. Like, I mean, I definitely relate to that, that like pressure from your family of your sister can do this. So why can't you do this? Like, I've been there and I get it. So I kind of, I think that if. Neville was dyslexic. that would like explain a lot of his family's attitudes towards his abilities and then why he has those self confidence issues that then later on top of the dyslexia affect his education.
0: Mm. I like that I think Colin Creevy in some ways could be interpreted as autistic with his special interest being Harry um <laughs> and photography <laughs> and photography but he also throughout, out and it's, uh, especially the first few books doesn't pick up on social cues and things like that
1: lockhart is a narcissist lockhart
0: is a narcissist
1: dumbledore so- has some shit going on with him dumbledore has so much going and on that is my professional diagnosis <laughs> he has some shit going on with him
0: dumbledore um, needs a therapist
1: yeah Ginny has hot bitch disease where she's just a hot bitch. Yeah, I think I'm done. There's going to be one that's going to be like glaringly obvious. Yeah, yeah. but um, that, that's a really good question. Thank you, Sorry. Yeah, no, I really enjoyed that because like, and like I know some people look down on this, but I enjoy like diagnosing characters in terms of like, we never get explicit representation mm. of learning disabilities mental health of all of these different things that make someone neurodivergent mm. we don't it's so rare to get that like explicit representation yeah that i have absolutely no problem not only diagnosing but over diagnosing <laughs> because like when i say people i mean characters because yes give us representation like let us claw away at fucking representation it's the same with sexuality as well like i will interpret characters as bi and my ex really had an issue he was like you make all characters bi and i'm like yes Because I just want some fucking representation.
0: Also, I've said it once, and I'll say it a thousand times, once a book has left the author's hands, you have no control and no right over how people interpret your characters because the entire point of art is to be interpreted by the person viewing it. So it is the worst when people tell you you can't
1: do that. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was a really good question. And, oh, but now... I can't even remember what the question was we might have had earlier in the episode. But now I want to put this as a question. My questions are just going to turn into me asking people the questions that we're asked. Why not? I'm so impressed, honestly, that we're now six seasons into this and people are still dropping like absolutely incredible questions. I know. I know.
0: It's amazing. People now take more time to think of them, but I love that. I'll literally message them like, have you got your question yet? And they're like, no, I need more time to think. I'm like, good for you. You take as much time as you want. I mean...
1: I would, yeah, I would never be able to decide. In fact, I'm pretty sure I have financially supported podcasts before and be like, don't worry, you don't have to answer a question free because I'm like, I just, I don't I know. Can't.
0: Thank you so much. And thank you so much
1: for listening to this
0: episode. It's been fun. I said that like it wasn't fun.
1: Wow. Yeah, I that know. was the most like... It was really I, threatening,
0: actually. Um,
1: I hate you, Charlie, and I can't believe I've had to spend an entire evening talking to you.
0: No, I was... half my brain was thinking about like i was about to say and we'll be together in the next one and then i was like no we won't because the next one is featuring a very exciting guest who we spoke to digitally so again yeah it's not we're not together but believe you me it will be worth it bye everyone Bye. bye Thank you for listening to this episode of Goblet of Wine. To find us on social media, search at Goblet of Wine Pod on Twitter or at Goblet of Wine Podcast on Instagram.
1: We also have a website over at www.gobletofwine.co.uk where you can keep up with everything that we do. This podcast is produced by our wonderful Hufflepuff-tier
0: patrons. Yolanda, Sir Bandersnatch, Samuel, Patrick, Nick, Michael, Kylie, Cara and Molly, Jasmine, Florian